0: And I'm Darcy. Did you know that pornography doesn't have to destroy you or your marriage? We're the parents of eight active members of the Church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints, and we love to help people just like you. We're here to share hope and healing as we take you through our journey and the journeys of our amazing clients to greater joy and love. Come grow with us to a happier, more meaningful life. Welcome Welcome to to the the Self Mastery -Mastery Podcast. Podcast. Welcome to the Self Mastery Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Spafford. This week, we are going to talk about the three steps that take us down the rabbit hole. As I have worked with hundreds of men and women over the past few years, I've noticed a pattern of behavior emerge that is a critical turning point from being fully the master of your behavior to viewing pornography and following the habitual good feeling based rituals that we have when we view pornography or we overeat and things like that, right? And this doesn't happen with everyone every time, but it happens with pretty regular frequency. In fact, it happens with such frequency that it makes good sense to get a feel for it if you're someone that is working to eliminate a bad habit in your life. And it all starts with what I call a near truth. So a near truth is something that on the surface is easily seen as true and something that most people would agree with you on. And these are these kinds of thoughts sound like this. And these are all, by the way, actual beliefs that clients have said to me in the scope of my coaching with them. I don't want to be miserable all day. Right. Or being in control of myself is so hard. And then finally, uh, when I find something I enjoy, I stick to it. These are the kinds of thoughts that we think should be true. Right. Like (laughs) I've never met anybody who was like, yeah, I totally want to be miserable all day no i don't even know anybody who wants to just be miserable much less all day right so we have all been in a position where we think of things like this like self control is hard and and you know we think things like who doesn't want to stick with enjoyable things and there are truths here because they're the kinds of phrases that are hard to argue against they seem right right others <laughs> others are likely to agree with you when you say them and they are easily Believable because why would you want to argue with them? Right? Like, why would you want to argue with the thought, I don't want to be miserable all day? The problem here is that though they are near truths, they aren't true in the long term. They're actually lies in the long term. Not because you actually want to be miserable all day, or and not because you uh, think that being in control of yourself is super easy, or because when you find things that you enjoy, you don't want to stick to them. Um, These things are lies. And I'm going to just kind of explain two ways that these things are lies. So let's start with the first one. I don't want to be miserable all day. There are at least two untruths in this statement. The first is that most of us, when we deal with our feelings directly, we're not going to feel miserable all day. We're not going to feel any given feeling all day. Modern research shows that most emotions when felt to their full extent last about 90 seconds. That isn't to say that your feelings might not last longer or they might not be shorter, it's just that the, that this is the average, right? Usually the reason our feelings last longer is that we keep retelling stories that refresh and restart the cycle of the feeling. You know, like when you fall in love, we tell stories of how our new love loves us. Uh, when we are miserable, we tell and retell stories about how someone has wronged us, how we are in the right and they are not, right? This particular client, w- he was dealing with work struggles. He was telling himself how others around him were talking about him. The only way he was going to feel miserable all day is if he kept telling himself repeatedly about what he thought others thought about him. You know, I'm not good enough. All that negative chatter that we have in our back, back of our minds, right? All day is a long time to dwell on anything, especially when we're aware of our thoughts and our beliefs and the stories that we tell ourselves, and that, that these are the things that are making us miserable. And we get to choose whether they are true or not, and how long to dwell on them. When we know that, it's really hard to dwell on something all day long. So that particular thought, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't want to be miserable all day, that was untrue, Because you're not going to feel negative feelings all day, okay? The second issue with this statement is that we assume that we don't want to feel miserable and that the proffered solution is going to make us feel better. Funny thing about emotions is that they exist to be felt, and we often do everything in our power to avoid feeling them. In this particular scenario, this client believed that he didn't want to feel miserable all day, and the solution his brain offered him was about 30 minutes of arousal to remove the miserable feeling. A thing that our brain often does is to discount the future pain based on a current desire to feel pleasure. What his brain didn't take into account was the fact that when the arousal finished, and it always finishes, right, he would not only still be left with his miserable feelings from before – he turned to pornography to feel arousal, he would also have some additional negative feelings to deal with. He would have guilt and frustration and loneliness and shame and isolation, often set in after we come back to focus on our reality outside of feeling arousal created by pornography. The analogy I often use is, if I came up to you on the street and I offered you a brand new mint condition, shiny $1 coin, If you would just give me your dirtiest, ugliest, oldest $5 bill, you'd probably think I was an idiot, and you would never take that kind of an exchange. And our lower brain often thinks that positive emotions are more valuable than negative emotions. And they will seek this five-to-one exchange rate, even though our rational minds find that to be unreasonable. So if you're going to be miserable, wouldn't you want to avoid compounding it with other emotions by dealing with it directly, by turning to pornography to create an immediate sense of arousal, to push away our misery. We suppress misery for only a short time and end up with many more negative emotions once that arousal ends. So in the case of the idea, I don't want to feel miserable all day, what's more true? That I'm going to feel better for a moment and that is Definitely better than feeling miserable and then having the negative emotions that we feel because we've compounded them? Or do I want to actually just feel miserable right now and avoid all that compounding and then feel better later? And I think in this sense, I would rather deal with the emotion up front than avoid that emotion and compound it, right? I would rather keep my $5 than, you know, give up whatever my negative feeling is for a moment, for that one moment of shiny, shiny dollars, right? So in the sense of avoiding misery creates more misery in, a, in the long run. It is a lie that we don't want to feel miserable. We do want to deal with our emotions up front more than we want to compound them by avoiding them for a short-term pleasure. And recognizing that this near truth for what it is A belief that's only true in the short term and never true in the long term is key to stepping back from allowing it to guide your actions. A great question to ask here is, will this be true tomorrow? Will believing this help me be more like the person I want to be? Is this true all of the time or only when I don't want to feel bad? So ask yourself some of those questions and be aware that your brain is offering you something that's not really true right now. It's It feels true. It's a near truth, but it's not really true. Okay. The second step our brain takes when we start down the path of choosing pornography, food, or any other buffer is to justify it. And this is the step we use to tell ourselves some kind of limit that we'll follow. Things like, well, I'll only look at bikini pictures, or I'll only eat one bite, or I'll only scroll Instagram, right? We offer ourselves a belief that's only true until it isn't and these are the kinds of thoughts that really don't hold up to scrutiny of standing alone but in the light of our believing the first thought they seem more plausible right i mean it's kind of like you could almost believe some of these things right but they are really just justified because of the previous thought so take the thought i'll only scroll instagram for for instance right If we have in the past used Instagram as a way to fully engage with pornography, then this justification is a pretty thinly veiled lie that we basically know is not true in the long run. We know that Instagram's algorithm is eventually gonna offer us some clickbait that will lead us to the next thing and the next thing until we reach phase three, which we will go here into in a minute. We can see this is a justification. We wouldn't believe it if someone else came to us and said it. Right. So why do we believe it when we're in the moment? Partly because it feels exciting. You get excited. You're like, oh, yeah, I'll just I'll just scroll Instagram, Let's see what happens, right? And thinking I'll only go so far is this exciting moment that puts us right on that razor's edge and allows us to simultaneously believe that we are good, right? I'm gonna be good while also believing that we can fall into doing something that's contrary to our moral compass, contrary to what we told ourselves we would do. This justification is also part of why we tell ourselves it won't be our fault when we come to something that is outside of our moral compass, compass or outside of our self-defined boundaries. So in the case of food, I'll only take a couple of bites. This leads us into the mountains with the idea that if a boulder crushes us, We had nothing to do with it, but the truth is, if we don't want to get crushed by a boulder that we know is there, teetering on the edge, waiting for the slightest vibration in the earth to dislodge it, we got to take responsibility for actually just being on the path at all rather than plead gravity as the sole source of force contributing to the devastating descent of our crushing burden, right? Justifications are a way to offload responsibility while concurrently choosing a path that leads to consequences that we are all too familiar with. So to create greater awareness of whether you are falling into a justification, ask yourself, have I said this before and was it true then? Tell yourself, I know what will happen if I go down this path. Do I want to deal with the consequences of that? Now, the third thing that our brain will do is it will lie to us outright. It will tell us that we are already here, so we might as well keep going. And it'll say, this is the last time when it has been said way too many times before. And it will even tell you, hey, it's too late to stop now, or... You've already done it today, so you might as well do it again. And these are uh, these are a lot more stark, right? These are starker. They stand out more. They are more clearly untrue when they stand alone. And really, they require the previous two steps to be followed to even be considered in the moment of choosing pornography to arouse or food to create dopamine. This is usually the last step before we give in to our habit of buffering, regardless of what the buffer is. And these are the final tip right? These, these lies, they're the final tip over the edge that creates the motion that we often call falling off the wagon or I slipped. Those euphemisms that we use to say I chose to view pornography. The truth here is, is that we pushed ourselves into this state. And these beliefs are the kind of laughable thing that, that a toddler might say to an adult to explain why they turn the kitchen into a flower-based winter wonderland complete with pasta sprinkles. When we hold them up to the light and we see right through them, no one is surprised and we wonder, how could I have even believed that? This is likely the hardest place to intervene and ask questions because it's a lot closer to the end of the path of lucid thought and right up to the cusp of being in the state of of lower brain control. This is the point right before we let our habit-running portion of our brain run the show and just get out of its way, right? We immerse ourselves in the feelings rather than thinking about the consequences. There are here also, however, even in this moment, questions that you can ask that will give you a moment's pause and an opportunity to get off that train. So whether the, whatever the thought your brain offered you, just ask it directly, you know, is this really the last time? Have I told myself that before? And in going through these three steps, I don't want what I want you to create is awareness. I, I I really hope that you don't see this and go, oh gosh, and now I know, and I should be ashamed of myself because that's super not helpful. Shame isn't helpful in any way. It's not going to get you where you want to go. What I want you to see is, oh, I actually have some some turning points, some opportunities to get off the path, you know, this is, you know, exit number one, exit number two, exit number three on the highway to pornography viewing or overeating, whatever that looks like. And just be aware that now, oh, I can see these things more clearly. And, and as you see them more clearly, ask those questions, put them on a, a piece of paper, if you can write the questions down and then write the answers down because in writing it down, what you're doing is you're getting it out of your brain and and putting it on paper in a way that you can look at it a lot more objectively. A lot of times what we do inside our own head is we kind of go around in some circular logic and we use that circular logic to just go and do what feels best. Our lower brain is pretty powerful in that way. But as we write it down and we put it on paper and we begin the process of getting it out of our head and into a place where it can become more neutral, we, we begin the process of owning the entire system and saying, oh, wait a minute, I can see where this might not be helpful. Let's Let's take a different path, okay? I hope that helps. I hope that you guys have a great week and I will talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Self Mastery Podcast. Every day, Darcy and I work with amazing men and women to remove pornography from their lives and relationships. If you're ready to take the next step in your journey, let us help you sign up for a consult at zackspaffordcom slash work with me. And you can set up some time for you or your spouse to meet with me or with Darcy and we can help you get started on your self mastery journey. Thanks for listening to thrive beyond pornography. If you're seeking guidance and support to overcome pornography for good and begin creating a thriving life beyond it, check out my free webinar, How to Overcome Pornography with Skills that Actually Work. You'll learn practical, proven skills guided by an expert coach who has personally overcome pornography. Whether you're getting started for just yourself or along with your spouse, Darcy and I can teach you the tools that will help you put your life on the right path for you. Be sure to check out the show notes for a direct link. And if you could take a moment to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, it would mean the world to us. Your reviews play a significant role in helping others discover the show so they can join us on this transformative journey. Thank you for being part of the Thrive Beyond Pornography community. Until our next episode, stay strong, stay focused, and keep thriving.